All right, so good morning. Let us continue this morning in the Sados. So we began this section last week, last class, and Amir Tashem will continue it into this class, probably a little bit into Wednesday as well. So remember, again, we're focusing on one core question. Our core question was... Core question was, remember the Sados, quoting the Pasuk from Mishlei, say, Hashem b'chachma yasad aretz konein shamayim bisluna. So we've been focusing really on this first phrase, God founded the land with wisdom. So we're trying to figure out what is the wisdom of the land? What is the chachma of the land? So we saw the approach of Rashi, right? And we saw again that the Chachma of the Aretz ultimately was, Rashi says either that the world was created with Torah, the world was created for Torah. We spoke about again from the Meseches Smachos, that the Chachma of the earth is perhaps in the way the earth was created. That as opposed to the earth being created all at once, instantaneously, we saw that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in stages, beginning with the Evan Ashesiyah and going on from there. What I'd like to focus now, beginning with number four, is to take this a little bit further. Now the truth is we're going to touch on actually a very important topic that we spent a lot of time on last semester as well. And you might even see some of the, some sources that we've seen before, but we'll see developing it a little bit in a different context. So let's begin with number four. Vayomer alukim, yikavu, so back to Bereshis, the story of Bereshis. Vayomer alukim, yikavu hamayim itachas hashamayim al makom echad, v'seira'eh ha'yabasha v'yihichem. Hashem said, let the waters be gathered underneath the shamayim to one place and let the land be seen. Vayikra alukim la'yabasha aretz, or eres, excuse me, ulumikveh hamayim karayomim, Vayar alukim kitov. Beautiful. Vayomer alukim tachya eretz desha esav mazriazera. Eight pre oset pre limino. Asher zarobo. So now we come ultimately to the creation of vegetation. So remember, who says tachya eretz desha, let the earth fill, be filled with vegetation. And eight pre oset pre. So we've spoken about this before. Eight pre oset pre means what? Means what? Fruit trees which produce fruit. So what happens? Vato per pasuk yud beis. Vato tseha aretz desha. Esev mazria zera leminehu. Veeit osa pri. Asher zera bol leminehu vayalakim kitov. So of course we see that when the earth complies with the ribono shel olam's directive, the earth doesn't exactly comply. Instead, the pasuk says that what happens? The earth brings forth desha esev mazria zera. That's fine. Veeit osa pri. So remember again the contrast. The tzivui, the command of Hashem was what? Eight priosepri, and the actual, or the actualization of the divine directive was eight osepri. So again, Hashem wanted fruit trees, which produce fruit, and the earth created trees, which produce fruit. So Rashi HaKadosh notes this. Remember, I've mentioned this before, but it's important to reinforce. Rashi is a reactive mefarish, which means that when does Rashi comment? When he sees there's a problem. So remember, what he sees is just a question. So this is very important because if you want to truly appreciate the parish of Rashi, you have to first understand what it is that is bothering Rashi. What is it that's driving Rashi? What is it that he sees in the Pasuk that's problematic? So if you're Rashi, you see, one second, it doesn't line up. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted it to be eight priosepri, and the earth only creates eight osepri. It was supposed to be fruit trees which produce fruit. But instead, it was just trees which produce fruit. How do you reconcile the two? So Rashi says in number five, eight pri, ha ha pri. 
Hashem wanted it to be that the flavor, or they we'll call it the flavor, the tam, the taste of the tree should be like the taste of the fruit. The world did not comply. The earth did not comply. So Rashi says something amazing. Hashem wanted it to be that the trees would taste just like the fruits. But the earth did not comply. Instead, the earth just creates trees that taste like trees and fruit that tastes like fruit. So what are the two questions you have on this Rashi? Question number one. What would you say? Two questions on this Rashi. Number one, how could the earth disobey the Ribbono Shalom? Right? Disobedience is a function of? Bechir Chavshis, free choice. The only thing in this universe that has Bechir Chavshis is? Man. Nature does not have Bechira. Animals don't have Bechira. Nature doesn't have Bechira. So what does this mean that the earth disobeyed HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Excellent. What's the other question? It's the question even before that. How does this answer Rashi's question? Good. Hold on to that for just a moment. Good. What else? Oh, three questions. Good. What else? What was Hashem trying to accomplish? Remember, as you spoke about in our last class, the entire story of Bereshah defies comprehension. Right? We don't really understand Maise Bereshis. We read it. We speak about what was created on each and every day, but we don't understand. We don't understand Yeshimayim, something from nothing. We don't understand what six days are, what six days are. No, we, we don't understand the entire story. So remember again, the only reason the story is here is because each and every aspect of the story has moral, ethical implications. As we spoke about in our last class, Kodesh Baruch Hu tells us the story of how he created his world so that we should know how to create our own. Which means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to accomplish something by creating fruit trees. That, in other words, when you think about it, there's nothing extra in the world, right? There's nothing extra in creation. The notion, what does that mean that Hashem wanted to create trees that would taste like fruit? What does that mean? So therefore, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan would have come to fruition, you would take a bite out of the tree, that, that would be it, and it would taste just like the fruit. It sounds like a strange machshava. What was the Ribbono Shal Olam's plan? So let's focus on that for just a moment. If I were to ask you, what was Hakadosh Baruch Hu trying to accomplish? What would you say? So could we make it a beautiful world? Does having fruit trees that taste like fruit make it more beautiful? I guess Bipashtas, right? Why not? Could only be nicer. Good. What else? Everything is good. Or, or in other words, what good? Let's take that a little bit further. So what, is that, what does that create? When you have a fruit tree where the entire thing is sweet, what does that create? It really creates a sense of universal equilibrium. In other words, that right, and, and well said. When you look at the tree, quote unquote, something's good, something's not good. Now obviously it's all good because you can't have the fruit without the tree. But you look at it, you have something bitter, and you have something sweet, or you have something tasteless, and something with beautiful taste. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he says, I want it to be an Eitz Pri Osepri, there's a certain sense of universal equilibrium. Everything is sweet. Everything is good. Everything has that beautiful taste. It almost appears that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because remember again, if you look at the story of Bereshis, 
everything is always a balance and an equilibrium, right? Where do you see balance and equilibrium in the story of creation? So light and dark, right? That, that's where it begins. There's like this balance. And also remember again, even Maiseh Bereshis itself switches off between HaKadosh Baruch Hu doing things on the earth and things in the heavens. Things in the earth, things in the, at least in the beginning. There's a certain sense of balance that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is trying to convey to the world. So by creating, a set, by creating fruit trees that taste like fruit, you're creating a certain harmony. There's a balance. There's sweetness that runs through everything. Why is HaKadosh Baruch Hu tried to create the world of balance? Why? Any ideas? Why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu try to create a world with balance? Remember again, the entire story of Bereshis is there for what purpose? For what purpose? To teach us how to create our own worlds. What is the most important thing you need when creating your own world? Balance. Right? And again, this, this concept is phrased in different ways at different times. For example, the Rambam phrases it, where according to the Rambam, the essence of life is to find the derech hamamutza, to find the middle path. You have to find the middle path. What does the middle path represent? The middle path represents balance. It represents equilibrium. It represents this idea that you're not too far to this side, not too far to one side. Now, of course, what's the challenge in finding balance? Right, so remember again, What's balanced for you might be skewed for me. So this is always the great challenge of life. Everybody always wants to find the middle path. Just how you define the middle is often exceptionally elusive. We find this with, you know, in the Olam HaShkafa, in the Olam of religion, in the, we find this in everywhere. What is the middle path? The Rabbim says it, always find the Derech HaMamutza, always find the middle path. But how you define that middle is incredibly difficult. But yet, Chodesh Baruch is telling us, I want you to find balance in life. I don't want, I don't, Chodesh Baruch Hu doesn't like extremists. That's why, again, how many episodes of extreme behavior do we have in Chumash? How many stories of extreme behavior? How many? Two. What are the two? Well, what's Moshe's extreme behavior? I'm sorry. Well, that, that, I don't know if that's extreme. Maybe that's extreme. I was thinking Pinchas. And what's the other one? Shimon and Levi, when they destroyed Shechem. Two acts of extremism. Right? Now, again, interestingly enough, how does the Torah view Shimon and Levi's act? So remember, we don't find HaKadosh Baruch Hu's view on it. We do find Yaakov Avinu's view on it. And Yaakov Avinu's view was... Unfavorable. Everybody with me? This is Parakshira class, right? Good. Good morning, everyone. Hey, so, so, so again, again, so remember, it's, we don't know how Klesh Baruch is, but Yaakov clearly is incredibly unhappy with Shimon and Levi. Incredibly unhappy. Now, it's interesting. Yaakov Avinu's critique of Shimon and Levi, anyone remember? And Chumash, what, what does he say? What does Yaakov say to his sons? Achartem osi. You've literally uprooted me. Now it's interesting. Yaakov Avinu gives Shimon and Levi Musar because he feels that they put the family in peril. It's interesting. He doesn't condemn the act, which, which, which is just fascinating in and of itself. So was it that the act was wrong? And Yaakov Avinu is saying the act was wrong and therefore you've put us in peril? Or maybe the act was right. Maybe the act was right. 
but at the end of the day, you put us in danger, so you shouldn't have doing it. Now you shouldn't have done it. Now remember, Yaakov Avinu brings it up once again. Where where else does he bring up the episode of Shem? Right, but again in in Parshas Vayechi. Ultimately, again, when he's making reference, when he speaks to Shimon Levi from his deathbed. And again, there he separates them because their anger is dangerous, which seems to indicate to us that he was condemning the act. So let's go with the act. So Pinchas, Pinchas, is that good or bad? Sorry? So remember, the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him a brisi shalom, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him, so it seems like the act was good, but remember again, so kanos, which we translate as zealotry, is something that is reserved for Yechidim. The Torah, in general, does not condone zealotry because it's incredibly dangerous. Remember again, for a Pinchas, that was the right act at the right time, Vaharayo, the Ribbono Shal Olam rewarded him for that act. But zealotry by itself is frowned upon. Extremism is frowned upon within Yiddishkeit. Everything is about that balance. The difficulty is how you define the balance, right? What's considered to be the middle path? That's number one. And number two, how do you ultimately get there? So that's the challenge. In any event, the point is that a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants to create fruit trees that taste like fruit to create a sense of equilibrium, to create a sense of balance. Balance is what is necessary to build and maintain a world, but the earth doesn't comply. So take a look at number six. So the Maral in Gur Aryeh asks this question. He says, Vihilo Astakin. So Rashi says, the earth did not comply with the tzivui of HaKadosh Baruch with the command. So the Maral writes, Eina perish sha adama of bemezid al tzivui HaKadosh Baruch The Maral says, of course, it doesn't mean that the earth purposely disobeyed the Ribbono Shalom. Why doesn't it mean that? She'in yeitzer haraba she'tehei overes al tzivui HaKadosh Baruch so it's interesting. So the Maral says that the ability to transgress the word of God, you see, I would have thought, he would have said, right, the Maral says, the earth does not possess the capacity to go ahead and transgress the word of God. So if you are writing that sentence for the Maral, how would you write it? She'en what ba? What, what, what phrase would you put in there? She'en bechira ba. See, that's interesting. She'en bechira ba. So she'te'o veras al-tzivah the Maral chooses the word or chooses the phrase Yetzir Hara. Yetzir Hara. Now the truth is Yetzir Hara and Bechira are really part and parcel of the same thing. Right? Remember again, my Yetzir Hara is what keeps my Bechira intact. Without a Yetzir Hara, without an evil inclination, without the proclivity and a desire to do negative and wrongful things, my Bechira is not really there, which is why, for example, according to many opinions, we, I think we spoke about this before, right? there's a whole machlokus about what, what the Mosul Mashiach, what the Messianic era is exactly going to be like. But according to at least one opinion in the Gemara, there's a concept of Ein Schar Va'onesh. There's no reward and punishment in the times of Mashiach. Now, what does that mean? So on the most basic level, because Bechira is handicapped in Yemosa Mashiach. Why is Bechira handicapped? Why? Because the presence of the Ribbono Shalom is going to be so apparent and so obvious that the Yitzhahara is essentially muted. Which on one hand is a beautiful thing because there'll be such a Gilu Yashchina, such a revelation. On the other hand, there's something lost when the MS becomes so unequivocally true and apparent. So, the, so that's of the Maharal just, yes.
What will be obvious? Then Hakadosh Baruch Hu becomes clear. How? Yeah. To who? To Amiso. If the whole, you're seeing the contrast is so stark. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with that, uh, with that approach. But I don't know. I, it's a good question. I don't know that the world will become so filled with sheker that Klal Yisrael sees Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So you're asking, according to that, there should be no Bechiri either. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to look that up. I, I'm not familiar with that. I don't know. So the Maral says, it can't be literal that the earth would not comply because at the end of the day, the earth doesn't have Bechira, doesn't have a Yetzirah. Aval, Kia'aretz hazos shinui yeshla. So here the Maral is saying something amazing. Now let's read his words and then we'll explore exactly what he means. He says, the earth has shinui. What does that mean, the earth has shinui? What's a shinui? A change. Right? The earth, the earth is inconsistent. Really, it's shinu yesha. It has, it, it's inconsistent. She bilvad nech sheves minatachtonim. Ki ha-shamayim shamayim la-hashem va-aretz nasan livnei adam. Yore bazeh ki shinui yesh bein ha-aretz ubein ha-shamayim. So when the Pasuk says that the shamayim was given to Hashem and the aretz, the earth livnei adam, the Pasuk is coming to create a contrast. What's the contrast? So the Maral suggests the contrast is as follows. The Shamayim is constant and consistent. Constant and consistent. The Aretz is subject to Shinui. Is subject to change. So Shamayim, constant, consistent. Aretz, inconsistent, changing. Ki Right, the Shamayim, when we speak about Shamayim, by the way, we're not just simply speaking about the sky. Right, Shamayim in this context refers to the celestial abode, the domain of the Ribbono Shalom. Sachadish Baruch Hu's domain is constant, consistent, there's no Shinui. The Aretz, the earth, is subject to incredible inconsistency and change. He says, Uba'avur chasrona, hi mechaseres mustamid. So because the earth is inconsistent, therefore, again, it's never shalim. Right? So therefore, what the Maral is explaining over is something dramatically amazing. If you want to find shleimus in this universe, where do you look for it? Right? The answer is you can't. Shleimus is not found in this physical universe. There is no shleimus in this universe. The only shleimus that exists is in the Shamayim, which again, we're domain, which is not part of our universe. Right? When you speak about, I'm sorry, when you speak about universe, I mean like the world as we know it. There's no shleimus. And by the way, well, we'll discuss in just a moment. So there's no shleimus in this world. The only shleimus is by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. V'zeh she'amar, Ein adam tzadik ba'aretz, asher ya'aseh tov lo yechta. An incredible pasuk in Kosh. Lomelech says, there is no person in this world who does not sin. By the way, is there an exception to that rule? All right, so the Gemara, who, what's, the, what's the exception? Right, so the Gemara discusses a handful of people who never committed an Avera. Aside from that list, are there any other exceptions? Right, which means the greatest Gadol Hadar, from the greatest Gadol Hadar to the simplest Jew. 
everybody makes mistakes. Now, obviously, people's mistakes are different, right? And people's mistakes are reckoned differently, but this is incredibly important. Does Judaism believe in personal infallibility? Do we believe that any person is beyond making a mistake? No, this is incredibly important. The notion of a human being being infallible is a Christian concept. It does, Yiddishkeit does not have this concept. We believe that even the greatest Jew on the face of the earth, the greatest tzaddik, has the ability to make mistakes. And in fact, does make some mistakes. And this is incredibly important because sometimes we have difficulty wrapping our head around the fact that even sometimes Gidolim can make mistakes. It, it, it could happen. Their mistakes are dramatically different than our mistakes. But every single person has the capacity and ability to make a mistake. It doesn't mean they do necessary, but it means a capacity to sin. This is what saying. And by the way, I want to point out what's dramatic about Shalom Alech's statement. What's dramatic about it? I'm sorry? It, it says Sadiq, right? Ain Adam Sadiq Ba'aretz. First of all, he's saying there is no exception to this rule. This is incredible. You know, in life, generally, you can't make any rules without an exception, right? Think about this. We have, we have 613 mitzvahs. Are there exceptions, right? Those 613 mitzvahs yield many rules. Are there exceptions to the rules? There are exceptions to almost every single rule, right? If I were to ask you for an example of an exception for which there is no rule, for, I'm sorry, a rule for which there is no exception, what would you say? Gimelab, who said that? Excellent. Gimel Averis, right? So this is what people think. There are three, three Averis which you have to give your life, right? Rather than transgress, right? Um, murder, avodazara, idolatry, gilerais morality. Is that true? Are there no exceptions to that rules, to those rules? There are absolutely exceptions to those rules, right? In, in fact, again, amazingly enough, we're just two weeks away to perhaps from, what, from one of the greatest exceptions to those rules. Well, that is not a topic for now, but one of the greatest questions in Megillah's Esther is how Esther was permitted to live with Ahasuerus. Isn't that Gilead Arayos? Isn't that... So Tosis writes about... This, this is a body of halachic literature, something called an Avera Lishma. There are... I mean, so I'm just pointing out, even the Gimel... By the way, don't... That Avera Lishma... Don't try to use that, right? That's not, uh, again, once again, reserved in, in extreme circumstances for Hatzalas, Klal Yisrael, Bait Sadikim, and Nashim Tzedkanios. These are, these are different, but I'm just pointing out to you, here's something amazing. There is virtually no rule without an exception. Isn't that incredible? So even the Gimel Hamuros, which does Yaharik Val Yavor. So it's amazing. It's Yaharik Val Yavor, Except when it's Ya'avor va'al Yeharig. Right? So isn't that incredible? Now, why is that? Why is that? Why is it that every single rule we have, almost every rule, has an exception? That's because our halachas and our Torah that Hashem gave us mirrors the nature of the human condition. To have a rule without an exception means what? Means what? That it's absolute. Is there anything absolute in this world? In this world, no. no, no. That's why the Ribbon is the only thing that's absolute. Remember, we're talking about independent of Akadish Baruch Hu. There's nothing absolute in this world. The only thing absolute, and here's the irony, what's the only thing absolute in this world? The only absolute thing besides Akadish Baruch Hu, the only absolute rule is that everybody will make mistakes. 
This is that incredible? The, they're, they're, the only absolute rule in this world is Ein Adam Tzadik Ba'aretz Asher Yechta. Incredible. The only absolute rule that applies here is that every single person makes mistakes. Yes. Why is it done for fruit trees that didn't want to Why? I mean, we'll see. We'll see. It, we'll say a little bit differently. I mean, why does Cheshbaruch who choose to illustrate this principle with the trees? We'll see. We'll see. I think we're going to tie it back a little bit, maybe even some of the things we learned by Tu B'Shvat. So you know where I'm going with this, right? Because remember, the tree, unlike the rest of nature, has a very close connection to man. But hold on to that. Excellent. Was it supposed to be, like, the trees that we have now that don't produce fruit, was it supposed to be like that? Or is that a so that's a good question that many of the Rishonim ask also, because it appears, when you look at the Pasuk, it sounds like every tree was supposed to create fruit. So I saw, I don't know if it's the Ebenezer, I forgot, it's, I think it's the Ebenezer, the Arachayim. Someone brings down that fruit is a relative thing. What it means is Baruch Hu created every tree for a purpose. So peros, eitz priosep pri, could also just mean that every tree produces a, a fruit. For some trees, it's a fruit. Let's say for the cedar tree that does not produce fruit, its fruit is the wood that it produces. So everything is purposeful in nature. Yes. Right, so, so that's a whole discussion in the Gemara about what you do with this principle. So we're going to leave that for a different time. Because right, Chazal clearly tell us that there are some people who never sin. So here's what I would tell you. You know, in Halacha, there's a concept of a miut she'ino matsui, which maybe you've come across this in your Halacha classes throughout, throughout the years, which means there are different types of minorities. Sometimes a minority is significant and never has to be reckoned with. And sometimes a minority is so insignificant that it doesn't move the needle on the rule. So the fact that Chazal only identified throughout the course of entire mankind, less than a handful of people who never sinned, it's a mute she'ino matsui. It's just so, it's just so quote unquote insignificant that it doesn't stare the rule. That's what, that's what I think the answer is. So the Maral goes on, paragraph Gimel. He goes on, we, we mentioned that. He says, Now look what the Maral does. He says some, look, listen now, he dashes the Pasik. Ain Adam Sadik Ba'aretz. What's the reason why even the greatest Sadik makes mistakes? Why is that? Because he lives Ba'aretz. Because when you live your life, Ba'aretz, in the earth, in the world, and you live your life in a place that is not capable of achieving Shlemus, so, of course, you can't achieve Shlemus as well. Asher yaset tamid atov ha-shlemus ba'aretz shehimuchenes tamid el ha-chisaron ba'avur ha-chisaron shalos. So, first of all, it's a beautiful interpretation, a beautiful diak in the Pasuk. Maybe people on their own, right? This is why, by the way, when the neshama is with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? A neshama can be perfect, right? A neshama can be shalim. But yet the Neshama loses that ability for Shlemus when it comes down where? Baaretz. And, and again, what the Maral is saying is this is just a function of the human condition. The earth, the world, is chaser. So by definition, anything which resides in the earth will also be chaser as well. And again, I, I want to point out that that chisaron, that chisaron is even before you committed your first Aver, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. You know, one of the fascinating distinctions 
in the animal kingdom versus people is, you know, there are some animals when they give birth to their young that, that you know, like, like a calf, I think a calf is like this, or like deer when they give birth. You know, they, the mother births the young and like the baby, like 10 seconds later is walking around. He's walking around. Think about the birth of a human being, right? What could a baby do when it's born? <laughs> Mamish, nothing. It could be cute. That, that, that's it, right? It is the most helpless entity on the face of the earth, right? It has a neshama. It has everything. Totally helpless. It's almost as if from our first moments in the earth, HaKadosh Baruch was telling us, there's no shleimos here. There's no shleimos. The moment you come into this world, and by the way, for a, and, and isn't amazing, by the way, for a long time afterwards, and something amazing, cyclical happens in life. What happens in life as a person gets older? They become more and more dependent. Isn't it incredible how the bookends of life are exactly the same? I start out helpless and very halavai. We shouldn't be helpless when we're elderly, but a lot of times we become, if not helpless, definitely incredibly dependent. This circle of life where HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows, there's no shleimos. There's no shleimos. We're going to see, it's by design. It's by design. There's no shleimos. If you're ba'aret, if you're in the world, by definition, you're not showing, I would like to have fruit trees that produce fruit. That represents shleimos. That represents completion. That represents equilibrium. That represents a filling out of the world. That doesn't happen here. That's shamayim, shamayim, lashem. You want shleimos? That's with the ribano shalom. That's why, by the way, interestingly enough, you know, the Rambam writes, what's olam haba? What's olam haba according to the Rambam? He says, tzadikim yoshem v'atarosem v'rashayim v'nenem v'zivashchino. The righteous sit, the righteous sit, their crowns are on their head, and they derive benefit from the Shekhinah. Let me ask you this question. Let's be honest, right? There's a safe place here. Does that excite most of you? Ah, you're a Nashim Sidkani, so it excites you, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sorry? Say that again? Okay, good, good. Meaning, I just don't want Gehenim, so anything is better than Gehenim. Okay, good. But I'm saying, like, this, is this like a version of Olam Like, when you hear this, you say, oh, wow, wow, Halavaya Shabizokha. Now, of course, I say Halavaya Shabizokha because either I don't want Gehenim or because I know that deep down that's something good. But the truth is, what the Ramam is describing is a sense of connection with that Kaddish Baruch Hu, where I never leave the Ribbono Shal Olam's presence. We could call it in a different word, shleimos. But I can't really relate to that because I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. If you tell me that there's a shmorgis board, if you tell me that there's 50 different types of sushi, right? you go out and you tell me that everybody's healthy, everybody's happy, the sun's always out, there's always 70 degrees, and every, I, I can relate to those types of things. You tell me, even, even, even again, being reunited with the shamas of the past, I could relate to those kind of things. But to tell me that I'm sitting in proximity to the Shekhinah and deriving benefit from the Shekhinah, I know what you're describing is something good, but I can't relate to it. Now, I can't relate to it, A, because it's describing a non-physical existence, and I can't relate to a non-physical existence, but I also can't relate to it because the Ramam is describing an existence of Shlemos. To be in constant communion and connection with the Rebosham. Think about this. Do you ever have a day where you feel constantly connected, 
connected. If you go through from the, from the time you wake up to the time you sleep, constantly connected to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, anyone ever day like that? But you didn't have one moment of disconnect. You felt connected to the Rebbeim every moment of the day. Anyone here ever have a day like that? I feel, I feel just, just on a simple level, I feel connected and ever aware of the Rebbe Shalom's presence in my life. And a whole day goes by and I don't lose that awareness for one moment. You're probably being modest. I'm sure some of you have. I've never had a day like that. And even on a Yom Kippur, even on Yom Kippur, which is an exalted day, a daily when many of us feel connected, let's be honest, if you're in the shul the whole day and you're getting to Musaf and Chazara Sashats, there are times when, when no one's looking, what do you do? How many pages? Right? How many pages? Let's be honest. Right? How many? And then, of course, you do this, and then you feel bad afterwards, because, like, really, like, I'm looking how many pages. It's the Yom Adin. Everything is being decided over here. Yom Slicha Vechapara. What am I doing? But that's the way it works. That's the, and by the way, and then just a little while later, I could have the most moving ni'ilah of my life. And I could feel more angelic than human. But yet I was counting pages during Musaf because the nature of our connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, in Hasidus they call it Ratzav the Shov, forward and backwards, forward and backwards. Most of us don't maintain a consistency in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, meaning sometimes I'm engaged, sorry, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm connected, sometimes, and that's okay. That's okay. Why? Because there's no shlemus in this world. So if there's no shlemus in the world, the same way that the earth can't produce, can't produce fruit trees that taste like fruit because that's shlemus. And shlemus doesn't exist in this world. The same way Shalom Melech says, Ein Adam Tzadik Ba'aretz Asher Yechta. Of course, if you're Ba'aretz, you can't be at Tzadik. You could be at Tzadik, but you're going to sin. Even the greatest Tzadik sins. If Moshe Rabbeinu sinned, then of course, every single other Tzadik, no matter who we have, no one is as great as Moshe Rabbeinu. So once Moshe Rabbeinu sins, by definition, every other Tzadik, by definition, sins as well. That's not a shortcoming of the Tzadik. That's a function of living Ba'aretz. Because if I live on the earth where there's no Shlemos, by definition, I can't be any... That, that, that's, that's what it is. There's no Shlemos. So this is why, again, the fa- and, and this is incredibly important because it creates a self-awareness for us because sometimes, we've this before, in life, you know, you know, you always have to create expectations for yourself that are a little bit beyond your reach. That's why, you know, it's good, to, it's good to start your week by making a to-do list. And I don't mean just like a chore list. I mean, like, what do you want to accomplish this week? So I often feel, if you accomplish everything on your to-do list, then you're not setting your expectations high enough. If you go ahead and you accomplish nothing on your to-do list, either, either you're an overachiever or maybe you're just lazy. One of the two possibilities. You have to be honest with yourself. So life is always this incredible dialectic. I, I, I need to know I can't, I'm not going to be perfect, but I have to push myself just to constantly be better. But this notion that I will not achieve shlemos, I can't achieve perfection, not because I don't want to. It's not feasible. It's not here. It's not here. Hashamayim, shamayim la'ashem. Perfection is in the Chesh Baruch Adam, perfection is not here. There's greatness here. There is greatness. There is beauty. There is accomplishment. But there's no shlemos in this world. So the Maharal goes on. He says, he says, look, look at paragraph Dalit. Lekach, 
Kasher Gozer Akodish Baruchu. Kasher Gozer Mamar Akodish. Sorry, it's pre or sepri. So what happens? Hakodesh Baruch Now you have to understand. Obviously, this is a setup, right? This is a setup because remember, we understand it's not the pshat that the earth disobeyed Hakadosh Baruch Hu because the earth can't disobey the Ribbono Shalom. There is no disobedience without Yitzhara. There is no disobedience without Bechira Chavshes. So the earth can't disobey. Instead, what's happening over here is Ribbono Shalom is setting into effect a number of different circumstances. So what happens? Pavor Chesrona, Lahaisam Memalas, Ratzon Borah, Vahaya Mechasaris Menashlemus. So ultimately, again, Cheshbaruch, who wants there to be Shlemus, it's Priyosapri. But the earth cannot comply because the earth is unable to produce shlemus. This is incredibly dramatic. This is why what's fascinating is what does Adam what, what do Adam and Chava sin with? An eight. Isn't that fascinating? What do they so but I just want to point out, by the way, you know, the, the Yamara brings down about different opinions as to what they sinned with. So, you know, kind of when we think about the, the sin of Adam and Chava, what, what automatically comes to mind? What, what type of fruit? Apple. An apple. Which, which is fascinating, because the Gemara doesn't record a view that it's an apple, right? The Gemara records that it was grapes, or the Gemara records that it was wheat, but not apple. So where does the apple come from? I'm sorry? Oh, does that where it comes from? I don't know, maybe. I, I, I think there's a simpler shot. Remember again, when, when, fast forward a little bit to the story of Yaakov and Esav and giving the brachas to, when, when Yitzchak wanted to give the brachas. So remember, Yaakov dresses up as his older brother, walks in to Yitzchak. And what does Yitzchak say to Yaakov? Re'ei, re'ach b'ni kereach hasadeh. So ultimately, again, he says, my son smells like the field. So what does Rashi say on that? What does Rashi say? Smells like the field. There's nothing more disgusting than the smell of a slaughtered animal. Right? So can you imagine this? Yaakov Avinu walks in and Yitzchak says, Mamish, you smell like a butcher. Right? You smell. But but it's not what he was saying. He was giving him a compliment. So Rashi says, what? What did Yaakov Avinu smell like? Kisade tapuchim. Like an apple orchard which is the reach of Gan Eden. Gan Eden smells like an apple orchard. It happens to be the Zohar brings down that the eighth pre, that the pre of Adam and Chava was an apple. But it's interesting that the Gemara doesn't quote that opinion. It's a number of different opinions, not an apple. But the apple Gan Eden connection comes from that Rashi. Rashi, it's also found in Shira Shirim, that ultimately, again, the scent of Gan Eden is a scent of apple. So therefore, again, the Maras is something amazing. Isn't it fascinating? that Adam and Chava's downfall comes from a tree. It comes from a tree. That, that, that's not an accident, right? Remember again, the first sin could have manifested itself in a variety of different ways. The fact that it goes and it takes place with the fruit of a tree, the fruit of the tree is the first time in the Genesis narrative that we see this concept that there is no Shlemus in this world. And instead, what we see is the only shleimus is by the ribono shalolam. Anything that's ba'aretz, by definition, is going to be deficient. And Adam and Chava's downfall, right? Where ultimately, again, they showed, they, 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 they unfortunately, they put forward the fact that they are not shalim from the eight as well. Yes. 
Oh, so this is an excellent, excellent question. So remember, this is a very dangerous idea, right? Why is this dangerous? Because you could turn around now and take this idea. Well, look, you know what? Of course I sin. Of course I sin. At the end of the day, there's no shlemus in this world. So this is incredibly important. So the answer is no and yes. Meaning what? That on one hand, why is there a concept of why is there a concept of tshuva? Why is it that when I do something wrong, I could fix myself and get back up? Because there's no shlemus in this world. Therefore, by definition, making mistakes is part of the fabric of the human condition. But let me ask you: Did Adam and Chava have free will to do what they did? Absolutely. The same way I commit many averas, but I have free. There's no. The one thing I can say is I had no choice. That's the one thing I can say. I have choice every single. Time. So this is this interesting dialectic. On one hand, it's almost as if making a mistake, not as if, like Shomal says, making a mistake is inevitable. It's going to happen to all of us. Multiple mistakes, dramatic mistakes, terrible mistakes, terrible averas. But at the end of the day, each and every time I commit an avera, I still have Bechira. Now, what, what this does is because there's no Shleimos, therefore I have the ability to fix myself. Therefore, Chadish Baruch understands frailty, mistakes, a part of the human condition, I can fix myself. So let's finish the Maral. So the Mara, well, we, we finished the Mara. So let me just show you one last piece. Take a look at paragraph Hey. So this is in the footnotes of the Mara. He says, It is impossible. Now when you say impossible, anything is possible with the Rosh It means the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world is that there is no Shlemos to be found here. Rak yesh bo chisarun. All there is, is chisarun. Another incredible diuk by the Maral. Right? So remember again, our first introduction to the creation of the earth. The first fact about the Aretz. Astonishingly empty. Why is that the first fact? Says the Maral. So this is really incredible. So says the Maral, this whole story of the fruit trees is a setup. It's a setup. Of course, remember, so it's not the Pshat like when you read, which we know, it's not the Pasha Pshat and Rashi that Chesh Baruch Hu said, Earth, I want you to do A. And the Earth said, No, I'm going to do B. This was a setup. Chesh Baruch Hu said, I'd like the world to be created this way. Fruit trees that taste like fruit. But when Chesh Baruch Hu himself actually creates the world, he only creates trees that taste like trees and fruit that tastes like fruit. The message for us, Shlemus is not in this world. Shlemus is only by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's why who makes mistakes? Who makes mistakes? Everyone makes mistakes. This is incredibly important. Everyone makes mistakes. Do you know that if there is one thing that you could count on in every single human relationship, one thing constant you could count on with every single relationship it is, that the person whom you care about will make mistakes. This is incredibly important because so often relationship friction is created because people in a relationship, it doesn't matter, you can fall in the blank with relationship, it doesn't matter whether it's a marriage, a friendship, parents, children, somebody I love and care about makes a mistake. I feel they wronged me and I'm so let down and I'm so upset and I'm so overwhelmed. Like, I can't believe they did this. Well, no, people are people. 
and people make mistakes. The Shlomo says, "Ain Adam Ba'aretz, Ain Adam Tzadik Baretz Shayyasatov Veloyechta." If you're Ba'aretz, you make mistakes. Whether you're a gadol, whether you're a katan, whether you're a child, whether you're an adult, whatever you are, whoever you are, you make mistakes. And in relationships, when we understand, of course people make mistakes. Of course my spouse is going to make mistakes. Of course, of course, of course my kid makes mistakes. Of course my parents make mistakes. You know, sometimes, parents, sometimes children grow up and sometimes maybe a person doesn't have the best parents. And they're so upset that their parents didn't parent them in the right way. So understand, parents often only know what to do based on their own upbringing. And those parents also only knew what to do based on their own upbringing. Of course, we always try to be better, but people, children sometimes can't get over the fact that parents made mistakes in raising them. Of course, my parents made mistakes. Everybody's parents make mistakes because parents are human beings. So if, if, if Moshe Rabbeinu could make a mistake, I'm not going to make a mistake with my kids. And my kids aren't going to make a mistake with their kids. And I'm not going to mis- make a mistake with my wife. My wife's not going to make a mistake with me. Of course, that's the way relationships work. When you realize this, you have the ability to be forgiving. And when you have the ability to be forgiving, that's when you could really build meaningful and sustained life relationships. So says the Maral, all of this, this whole lesson, right? This whole, but I just want to point out something amazing. Where else in the Torah does it say this concept? Where else? The answer is really nowhere else. This is, so I just want to point something out. This is perhaps one of the most important hashkafic pillars of Yiddishkeit. This notion that there is no shleimus in this world, only shleimus by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Every person makes mistakes. And amazingly enough, where is it learned out from? A phrase in Bereshus. Isn't this incredible? You can't have a proper hashkafas hachayim without this limud, without this lesson. And yet again, learned from a nuance, a nuance, a change between what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to do and what he actually did. So we'll stop over here for today. We're not finished. We'll spend one more class on this because the next question we have to follow, which what we'll devote our next class to, is why. So why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu create this way? Yes? What did that have to do with So, so Mara was saying, I'm sorry, maybe I didn't explain it. Mara was saying, the fact that the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu introduces the world to us was so vavo, empty, empty, indicates us from the beginning, the earth lacked shleimus. So from the moment we're first introduced, the first introduction, I'd like to introduce you to the earth, to the Aris, by the way, what is it? So vavo, astonishingly empty. So the Maral uses this to teach us that from the beginning, you see what the Maral is doing is, lest you think that this lesson that we're learning is first introduced over here by the fruit trees, it's not true. The notion that the earth doesn't have shleimos was already introduced to us in Bereshis, Perak Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. The first lesson in the Torah, Kedosha, is really that the earth doesn't have shleimos. So now, we'll stop here for today, but we'll focus on next class, Amir Hashem, why? Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu create it? Meaning the Rebbe Hashem could have just as easily created shleimos in this world as well. Why didn't he? What's the lesson? And may our session to be continued.